stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Welcome to the Dodgers Nation post-game show. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Thanks for rocking with us. After the Dodgers get the dub, they beat the Arizona Diamondbacks. They smoke the snakes. This team continues to rake, and this team really just had a great night offensively. The bottom of the lineup came through. Mookie Betts sets a new career high with his 36 home run. They beat the Diamondbacks 9-1. to They improved to 82-49 on the year. They're now 13 and a half games up on the diebacks in the division. Like I said, it's like the Secretariat in the Belmont Stakes, just pulling away in this division. But you are now home with Dodgers Nation and Jim Beam, and let me know where you're representing Dodgers Nation from today. Give me all your fire takes on all your thoughts. We can talk a little bit about the Angels and what they did with placing those players on waivers. You got Giolito, you got Renfro. We're going to talk a bit about that. We're going to talk about this game. We're going to talk about Clayton Kershaw, who grinded, didn't have his best stuff tonight, but that is Clayton Kershaw. That is what separates the good from the great. That's what separates the all-stars from the Hall of Famers, are when you do not have your best stuff, you can still go out there and you can perform it. You still got five solid innings from Clayton Kershaw. Gave up the one home run there. Really wasn't even a bad pitch. Curveball outside corner. Kind of left it up a little bit to Corbin Carroll. Just backspin it out of there, but for the most part, still gave you five innings. He goes five innings, allowed one run on three hits, five strikeouts to three walks. So the command was off. He was eight for 20 on first pitch strikes. Just really the mechanics were off a little bit. The release points a little off. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Velocity was down. But all in all, the Dodgers, they keep rolling. And give me your spicy takes, your fire takes. If I get a hot take, I'm going to see one of these. Fire take. If I get a comment of the game, you're going to see one of these. Hornitos. Hey Burns, you guys know I like trash talk. I like the Burns. If I get one of those, I'm gonna see one of these. The mic's a little off. Uh oh. Well, let's see, bro. You guys are just lucky. Go. What's up, D Mac? It's my mic a little off. I saw some that in the comments here. Bad mic. Interesting. Oh, you know what? Hello, hello, hello. One second here. How's that, guys? Is that better? Yo, 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 you, you, you. Welcome to the Dodge Nation post game show. Let me know down below in the comment section if that mic has been fixed. I think that we have that and we are back to normal. Let's see here, though. We got better. Okay, awesome. The echo is back. Welcome to the Dodgers Nation postgame show. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. The Dodgers get the dub. They beat the Dimebacks by a final score of 9-1. to They improved at 82-49. and They're 13 and a half games up on the D-backs in the NL West. They're pulling away in the division. Today's game, really the story was that offense. The bottom of the lineup, they come through in a big way. You have Mookie Betts, who is firmly in his swole Mookie, hitting 
lightning bombs here. He sets a new career high with his 36 home run. He now leads the National League with a 1,020 OPS, a 174 weighted runs created plus. He is pulling away from Ronald Acuna Jr. And no, he didn't send those guys out at Coors Field to go mess with Ronald Acuna Jr. That did not happen. If you guys have any thoughts on that, let me know. We got that body bag. We got Let's Go Dodgers from Jason Diamond over on YouTube. Otani is a Dodger boogie. That's from Roy Estrada. Breaking news, Padres moving to Tijuana. That's from John. Hey, like I said, we had a hurricane and an earthquake on the same day in Southern California before the Padres won a World Series. Finish. Lucas Julio have been on waivers. Is he is the Dodgers going to sign him? That is from Showtime fans. I mean, if you look at where the Dodgers sit as far as where they're at in the waiver order, it's going to be very difficult to get some of these guys. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that could help this team. There's no doubt about it. I think if you're the Dodgers, you can never have enough pitching. I think Matt Moore, of course, is someone that could really help this team that you would feel would be great considering he's a lefty, he's a 230 ERA, strikeout numbers are up. I think he'd fit in very nice with this team. I think Renfro ends up going to a wild card team. Maybe the Phillies maybe the Phillies end up with Giolito. So it really just all depends. And it just also is to me it feels like Artie Moreno just continues to wave the white flag. I don't think they were ever serious about contending. They really optically, I think they try to make it seem like they're going all in and making a run to impress Shohei Otani. But we know that that's the Angels organization. We know that that organization, they have, they are the most inept institution, the most inept organization in Major League Baseball. And unfortunately, if you're an Angels fan, that fire sale, it started early and it wasn't even a fire sale. Basically, just trying to get under the CBT. They were like, I think, $1.4 million over. So, yeah, it makes sense. It's classic Artie Moreno. It feels like the guy who messes up a game of Monopoly by just trading away all of his, selling his pieces and houses and things like that. So, yeah, for me, it's like, when I look at that move and look at the team and I look at that organization and just putting guys on waivers, sure, it makes sense because they're out of contention from that standpoint. But what does that say about your organization to your franchise player? This is the final nail in the coffin. Shohei Otani will not be back with the Angels. That is a foregone conclusion at this point. He will not be in Anaheim. And I think just the fact that they did try to make those additions at the deadline, it showed you that, yeah, they're trying to be serious, but this is the Angels. That's like investing in the Titanic. Titanic after it hit the iceberg, right? So I never believed that Angels team. I never will as long as they're under Artie Moreno. Like I said, they haven't even had a winning season with Otani. But uh, getting back to this game, some of the big takeaways, of course, you got to start with Clayton Kershaw, and we're going to throw out a grade. What is your grade for Clayton Kershaw on the night? Because I have some thoughts on that. A little tiny concern on Clayton Kershaw's outing, who becomes the second who passed on Drysdale, and you got to give him all the credit in the world, his 209th win. Kirsch now 12-4 on the year. So another win for Kirsch, that definitely is good. You feel good about that. You know that he wanted to accomplish that. But, yeah, the velocity was down. I mean, the velocity was down, but he ends up tying Don Drysdale for the second most wins in Dodgers history with 209 wins. So congratulations, Clayton Kershaw, the Goat Shaw. And how about Merrill Kelly? He was coming out of his best outing of the year. Had that one hitter and 12 punch outs and seven innings against the Reds. But the Dodgers, they absolutely raked. They took him to the woodshed. He allowed seven runs across five innings. Allowed those four runs there in five innings. Allowing four runs in four of the five innings. So, yeah, not a good start for Merrill Kelly right there. And... His struggles continue against the Dodgers. And, yeah, if you look at Clayton Kershaw's start as a whole, it's, I want to read those grades, too. If you read that start as a whole, really wasn't bad. I mean, he goes five salt innings, allowed that one earned run, three walks to five strikeouts, three hits, eight for 20 on first pitch strike. So, yeah, the command just was not there for Kirsch tonight. But still, I mean, like I said earlier, that's what celebrates the good from the great, the all-stars from the Hall of Famers, is that when you don't have your best, best stuff, you can still go out there and compete and be effective and give your team a chance to win. And when you have an offense that is as potent as this Dodgers offense, you can be fine with just that. But the dip in velocity, definitely a little bit of a concern. His velo tonight... Clayton Kershaw on the year 
He uh, the max pitch that peaked at 91.3 miles per hour on the four seam fastball. He averaged 91.2 on the year tonight. He averaged 89.6 miles per hour. So his velocity was down 1.6 miles per hour. Was down on the slider, down the changeup. So yeah, I mean, you also saw some pretty some non-competitive pitches. I mean, bouncing curveballs in front of the plate. I mean, missing badly uh, with the fastball. I mean, if he comes like that in a postseason game, that's going to be very concerning because they missed some pitches that Tommy Famit bat there early in the game that was a concern as well I mean just a fastball over the plate that he missed and yeah you just can't live with that but like I said he's just trying to get 100% ramped up and right for the postseason run so I'm not overly concerned but what is your grade for Clayton Kershaw's outing tonight let me know down below trying to get to those comments here where were my comments There we go. Yeah, and also what are your thoughts on the Angels and their fire sale? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting Thursday. I mean, that's that's really what's going to come down to. On Thursday, we're going to see if the Dodgers are able to add. I think there's always a possibility with this team. We got uh, the way Kershaw's last start went, probably missed up his rhythm. Yeah, that's a fair point. 89.96 miles per hour, not overpowering enough in the postseason, at least, at least in this day and age. Got the walk. We got a B from Boomer Assassin. We got an A minus from Robin. Yeah, let me get my comments here. I think for some reason. There, oh, finally, finally. Here we go. Uh, Noel, the Padres are better than the Dodgers. This is from Rob Bart. The Padres are better than the Dodgers. Yeah, watch AJ Preller get all those guys off waivers because he's delusional and he thinks that that Padres team has a chance to win. That Padres team, the Clayton Kershaw is real. We'll see if they'll ever be in contention again after pulling those shenanigans. And yeah, the problem is if you do claim these players and you want them on your team, they have to take up that 40-man roster spot, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Otani lost $200 million. Mike M, disagree big time. People I've talked to say that's not true. Well-connected people with the within the the league circles and in the sport he's still going to make a big bag and i think it's going to come down to for shohei otani what direction he wants to go in does he want to sign a deal that allows him to opt out after the first season the second season the third season like we've seen with carlos correa i mean a Manny machado type opt out after the fifth year i mean he's gonna have options the reality is otani is still the best hitter in the game as far as way he runs created plus as far as how dangerous he is and look tommy john surgeries you're gonna get two you're gonna get one i mean that's just the reality of major league baseball i mean you throw that baseball as hard as they do these days it's inevitable and you just can't avoid it so i think the fact that he's waiting on that surgery too that's pretty telling. Does he really want to deal with the Angels? Does he want to deal with their doctors? Does he want to get that surgery and be back as soon as he possibly can? So I think if you're this Dodgers team, you still have to feel pretty good about your chances because I still think that he makes the most sense. But here we go. We got Craig Osterberg. Dodgers are like a racehorse pulling away from the nags. Um, yeah, I mean, look. You look at, uh, that's why I said, I mean, they're like secretary at the Belmont Stakes, right? I mean, just pulling away. And I think the good thing, the positive thing about that, Craig Osterberg, is that they are still they are still playing for something, and that is for the National League best record. They still want to try to contend with that Braves team and try to get home field advantage throughout. And if you look at the Dodgers record right now, I mean, four games back with a four-game series coming up. So the Dodgers take three or four, and they're game back with under 30 to play. They could very, very well to pass them and catch them. It's definitely something that's very possible even at this stage late in the season. I think if you're this Dodgers team, you look at Julio Urias's home road splits. You look at Clayton Kershaw and you want to feel good about him pitching at home. Whoever it is, look, the reality is if you pitch at home and you are, it doesn't affect you as much as other sports as far as home foot advantage. But still, I think this is a Dodger team that even if they don't catch the Braves, having something to play for so they won't get complacent like we saw later in the year last year when you had that wretched six-game series with the Rockies to end the year, I think that's going to keep them engaged and ready for the postseason. And look, I'm pretty confident in saying the Dodgers are going to win more than one postseason game this year, okay? We got $2 from Ruben Candela. The Angels are a joke franchise. That's a fire take. Fire take. Angels should have sold Otani. He's gone after seeing these waivers. That's from Matt's, uh, Matt 
has hobbies. I like that name over on YouTube. The Dodgers are World Series balance from Jay Silva. That's the Hornitos comment of the game so far. I like that. Yeah, one thing I was thinking about with Otani is, I mean, you talk about how disastrous this possible season was for the Angels. The fact that you're essentially going to get Otani for nothing. I mean, you didn't get anything for him. You basically get a compensation pick, and that's it. Imagine if they had traded him last year. They could have potentially attached Anthony Rendon's terrible contract and gotten out from underneath that and gotten a boatload of prospects. I mean, it's just such a unmitigated disaster, and it's absolute malpractice as far as this organization. But, yeah, if I was an Angels fan, I'd be pretty furious, man. Uh, we got thanks. We got to Angels are literally and figuratively a Mickey Mouse organization. That's a finish him. Finish him. Dodgers, I need you to swap the D-backs to the Giants to get back to seconds from B-Billy. Yeah, smash that like button, guys. Try to get to two, 300 likes tonight for your Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going to break down this outing, and uh, this entire team really, I think, is in a great place right now i think they're out there still competing still putting together every single competitive at bat and i think what my big one of my first big takeaways tonight is i'm trying to put together reasons to be more optimistic about this team than last year's team and i think you saw on display one of the many reasons why even though they're not going to win 111 games why i still think the 2023 dodgers are better suited to have success in the postseason than the 2022 dodgers now look no further than the bottom of the lineup today you had david peralta he goes two for three he goes three for four with two rbi jason hayward he goes three for four with two RBI. James Altman continues to hit. He goes one for three. Chris Taylor has a three-hit game. He goes three for three with the walk. Miguel Rojas, he goes one for four. What do those guys all have in common? They're all guys stay for James Altman. In a roaring stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. That are veteran hitters, guys that have had some success in this league, guys that you would feel good about in a big game on a big stage. And I think that James Alvin is someone who's proven at this point that he can handle it at this level that he can work his way through a slump so I feel very confident that this Dodgers team is gonna at the very least make it past the NLDS they're gonna face the Atlanta Braves the NLCS we are gonna get the trilogy and I look at this team I mean, look at the clutch hitting five for 11 the runners in scoring position tonight Miguel Rojas he's had a much better August David Peralta since May he's hit almost 300 right got to a very slow start since May he's hit almost 300 Jason Hayward I mean, Jason Hayward tonight, he was phenomenal. He goes three for four with two RBI. I'll talk a little bit about Jay Hay, who has been an absolute steal. I mean, you're talking about a guy that the majority of his contract is being paid for. But, I mean, he's on a minimum, right? He's on a minimum with the Dodgers, but he's still being paid almost $22 million from the Chicago Cubs this year, right? He was a guy that was let go by the Cubs and now he's thriving with the Dodgers playing with his best friend in Freddie Freeman now let me know down below in the comment section why do you feel better about this team if you do maybe you don't if you do feel better about this 2023 Dodgers team why do you think this team has a chance at more success in the postseason than the team the last year that I hate to say this but if you are going to formulate a list of the most disappointing teams in the history of the postseason you got to include the 2022 Dodgers it 
pains me to say that. And you can say the Padres this year are one of the most disappointing regular season teams in history. But the reality is that 111-win Dodgers team, that is going to go down as one of the most disappointing teams in postseason history. Now, how can you write that? You win this year. And you have a lot of those same pieces, with the exception, of course, Trey Turner. But Moreno, worst owner in baseball. I wouldn't even say that Craig Osterberg, I mean, Craig Osterberg, I mean, he's a bad owner to go. Don't get me wrong, but at least he does spend some money because there's a lot of terrible owners in Major League Baseball. All these guys that are acting like they're penny-pinching, poverty-stricken owners that don't spend money at all. I mean, just look at the Oakland A's. I mean, just look at the payrolls around Major League Baseball. None of these guys, none of these teams in Major League Baseball should be that bad. I mean, just ask the the fans of the Cincinnati Reds about the uh, Castellinis, right? I mean, that guy is an absolute cheapo. So I think there are far worse owners than Artie Moreno, but I think that for him, it's not about the spending. It's just about not using your assets properly. And I definitely think that he's in the conversation for one of the worst, but I don't know if I would say he's the worst, but Mookie Betta from Orlando over on YouTube. B for Kershaw from Roy Estrada. You got B-plus from David Sabatini. Is this live? Juan Avalos. Yes, it is live. Tony Gonson out for the season due to Tommy John. Yeah, we've done a couple videos on that. Definitely check out that on YouTube. We got B from Schroeder. Diane Schroeder, the fairy godmother of Dodgers Nation. Appreciate you as always. Mike M gives it a B. Mr. Seabag Clay K gets a solid A-. minus. I see what you did right there. Let me give you a comment of the game for that one. Angels farm system is empty. Paul Gutierrez. Yeah, about as empty as the Padres trophy case. I mean, you look at that Angels team, they are devoid of the depth and talent that you need to build sustainable winning. But uh, Square Ass Sosa, uh, an A minus. That's for Kershaw. B plus for Mike M. John DMAC, what's your prediction for the Brave series? I think two and two. Yeah, I'm going to be a little more optimistic than that and say three of four. But uh, I think two and two, you'd be okay with that, considering that that's a very tough Braves team. And actually got a lot of previews coming up with that. I'm talking to some Braves show hosts. We're going to give you full coverage, full previews. I'll be at the game. We'll do some live stuff there as well. But Merrill nailed his audition to play Bumgarner. No Ortega. That is what I'm talking fire about. Team. That is a fire take. You're going to finish it for that, too. Finish him. Steven Chavez, peaking too early or just gelling? That's from Steven Chavez. I think a lot is made about that, right? About, okay, do you want to peak too early? I think it all comes down to a myriad of different factors that that go beyond just kind of the intangible stuff, the the gritty stuff, the stuff that you kind of talk about that you can't really quantify, right? I think it's the health of pitching. How healthy is your pitching? How healthy is your rotation? How healthy is your bullpen, right? If you look at up and down this lineup, how is this roster constructed? Are there guys on this roster towards the bottom that can get a base hit when you need it, that can come through in a clutch spot, that can give you a bat-to-ball style, a two-strike approach that David Peralta can? Yes, there is. So I think that last year... It doesn't matter what their record was at the end of the season. They're just the bottom of the lineup was just bad. They weren't coming through. Justin Turner struggled mightily. Trey Thompson didn't do much. Trey Turner, bad errors, had his moments, but didn't come through in the clutch. Mookie Betts didn't have his best series. Freddie Freeman played well. Max Muncy was still trying to have a bounce back. Chris Taylor was trying to have a bounce back, both having down years. So I really focus on the roster construction more than, okay, peaking in this and that, right? Right? And the matchups as well. It's so many complicated factors. And I think that Padres team was gunning for the Dodgers. I don't think they're going to face anyone like that this year. And I think this team is just more equipped to have success this time around. Now, as far as peaking too early, I think that this team is in a position where if you go out there and you're consistent and you go on the road and you win the series against the Guardians, you win the series against the Red Sox, and you're still out there trying to play for something with this division and with this league where you're trying to beat the Braves, that's what's important. I mean, look at what happened in 2021, right? They win the wild card game, they beat the Cardinals, and they go on to beat that 107-win Giants team. That team was rolling until they got injured, right? So that team still had a really good year, 106 wins. They matched a franchise record where they peaked 
peaking too early. So I really think it really comes down to health and roster construction. I think this team, like I said, don't forget, J.D. Martinez, getting him back is going to be key. Do they get anything out of Walker, Beeler? So lots of factors that kind of go into play here. But I think for the most part, this team, I wouldn't say they're peaking too early because I think that they're so motivated by what happened last year that they can reach another peak. They can reach a, another ceiling because of the guys they're going to get back in J.D. Martinez. Don't forget about Shelby Miller is going to return as well. We'll see what they do if anything happens on the waiver wire. So we're going to have a lot of clarity in the next few days as far as the team they're going to be going into the postseason with. But still have some baseball left to play. Let's focus on this Brave series, too. We got BB from Assassin, Noah Ortega. What up, DMAC? A-Ray 22, a.k.a. Will Smith <laughs> out of the uni. Um, <laughs> always look forward to your videos. Keep up the great work. Let's go, Dodgers. Thanks, A-Ray 22. I appreciate that. You're going to comment of the game. We got DMAC, good evening. Activity. Hope the boys aren't peaking too early. Got some more with that. Uh, Clevenger to the Dodgers. Interesting. He's actually having a pretty good year. Padres team being better than the Dodgers team is such a myth as San Diego thinking Padres and Dodgers is a rivalry. That's a fire take right there. Exactly. They're so obsessed, right? Uh, AJ Preller should quit his job and go into hiding. That's from Jason Diamond. You guys are bringing the heat. I love that. Thanks, Diane. I always appreciate that. Hyping up the show. David Sabatini, Rochester, New York will always lose sleep to listen to D-Pack. David Sabatini, you get a Hornitos. Always rock with us in New York. Never forget, that's our home to Brooklyn. Dodgers, but a little more specific about this game, kind of break this one down a little bit. So Kershaw, like I said, he was grinding. The velo was down. You look at this team, though, picking him up. I mean, bottom of the first inning, Mookie gets an infield single. Freddie Freeman, he tied. He's tied though time, by the way, for extra base hits, so kind of just want to point that out. And he ends up getting out there in that spot. So, yeah, I mean, look at this, the top of the first inning. Kershaw goes out there, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. I mean, he had the fam walk. He fouls off the first pitch, and then, I mean, he was way off, missing arm side with the changeup. Then he misses glove side with the fastball, this glove side with the slider. He walks him, and then he walked – Walker, and then he got Gurriel to fly out. So first inning, I mean, had its ups and downs. I mean, he did, did strike out Kennedy there on the slider. And then bottom of the first inning, though, Dodgers, they come out swinging right away, and they get this team on top. So like I said, Mookie gets the infield single. Freddie fly to left. Then Will Smith, he singled to left. And great piece of hitting there on a 0-2 count. Then next batter, one of the keys of the game today, I don't want to – I don't want to avoid this. I really want to shine a light on Max Muncy. He ground into a fielder's choice. They ruled him out, and they reviewed it, and they overturned it, and they ruled him safe. So great hustle down the line from Maximum Muncy. And then Mookie advanced to third there, giving the Dodgers runners on the corners of one out. And next batter, David Peralta, 1-2 count. He doubled down the line and right to score Mookie to make it 1-0 Dodgers. More two-strike hitting, more two-out hitting. And that's what this team does better than any team in Major League Baseball and that puts the Dodgers up one nothing. Then next batter, another one-year guy, another veteran that has made a big impact on this team, Jason Hayward, runners on second and third. Two strikes. He doubles to right center. Just hit it through the hole. An easy short swing. He stretched it out to a double. So flashing the wheels there. That makes it 3 nothing. Dodgers. Muncie and Peralta scored on the play. And that set the Dodgers up nicely. They get three runs on four hits there in the first inning. Then second inning, Clayton Kershaw, a better second inning for sure. He got he gets Longoria to ground a third. Then Corbin Carroll, he's single, just left that slider kind of out over the plate. Then Ahmed walked. Carroll gets the second. And then Moreno, he grounded to a double play. Great job there by Mookie Betts. A 4-3 double play. There was a 2-2 count to Moreno. And just a fantastic play on it by Mookie. He's playing on the left side of the bag and steps into that throw, shows that cannon, and a much-needed pitcher's best friend for Clayton Kershaw. And then bottom of the second inning, Chris Taylor draws a leadoff walk. He steals second. And then that brought up Miguel Rojas, with the runner on second, Chris Taylor after stealing that bag, and Merrill Kelly, one of the better, and the um, one of the better guys that holding runners there, and 
you're really feeling good about the fact that the Dodgers are being aggressive out there on the base pass, trying to make something happen, and they did just that. That brings up Miguel Rojas at 1-1 count. He's single to center to make it. And to score Taylor, we get 4 nothing Dodgers. So they add another run there in the second inning. So we're going to continue to break this game down. But, yeah, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Chris Taylor? Because after the game, he talked about a little mechanical adjustment he made. He's someone that's kind of just been grinding all year long, trying to just continue to be someone that you can count on, continue to be someone that is out there that you can depend on to be versatile. And like I said, we call him the Chris Army Knife, right? He can play multiple positions, but he's mainly been out there in the outfield. And so far, the series hovering right below league average hitting 220 13 home runs heading into this one but I think he's someone we've had this conversation about peaking too early he's someone who you want to peak at the right time I mean when he hit that walk off in the wild card game off Alex Reyes he was riding an 8 for 72 slump so that is something I think individuals that's more than the team right individual I think you have the conversation about the peaking too early but here we go we got the penguin king I'm thinking about the international slot the Dodgers used recently as a part of the trade. Uh, Kershaw is the ultimate grinder from Bob D. I got jams. The only thing good about Orange County is the surf. That's from I got jams. You're gonna get finished for that. We got, do you think the Dodgers will focus on getting? Yeah, on Yamamoto primarily. I don't say that's their main focus. I think that they're, this is an organization that if there's any player out there that is attainable that can help this team, they're going to do their due diligence. But the focus is going to be on Shohei Otani first and foremost. I mean, one through three. I mean, if Shohei, possibly Urias. I'll tell you from people I've talked to, it feels like Urias is almost uh, a for sure thing to be gone. But um, that's just because the contract he's going to be looking for. And the Dodgers' reluctance to give long-term deals to starting pitchers. And you look at his age, it just it seems like it's something that's not going to happen. But we got uh, Artie Moreno and Donald Sterling are two peas in a pot. I got jams on fire tonight. Uh, David P. Mac, you refer to the Dodgers as we last time I checked, Gonzo's still on our team. We should treat him like a team member because he's valuable. David P., yeah, I still sometimes do that fanboy thing. Are you guys big on doing that, saying we about the t- team you support? I mean, I'm not on the Dodgers, right? So I probably shouldn't say that. But, yeah, I mean, I, you guys know. I mean, I was never hard on Gonsolin because I've been saying that he was injured for months now. So, yeah, he's not a bad player, like I said. He was a guy who was pitching through injury and trying to step up at a time when his team needed him because of all the injuries to the starting rotation. We got Strider, here you 120. DMAC, I wish Kershaw went longer, but he grinded, and I appreciate the effort. But I'm glad he got the run support and we got the W. Let's go Dodger Blue. That's from Strider. Hear you 120. I love that take right there. I think it's a great take because, yeah, you're not going to get A-plus performances every night. But I think what Kirsch is working towards, he's working towards peaking of the postseason. As long as he's going out there and giving you solid, that's what you want. I mean, I mean, you look at both starters today. One struggled but gave up tons of runs. One struggled but still gave just one run on a home run. So if my struggle, if my grinding is one run in five innings of work, I will take that all day, every day, right? So, look, I mean, I think with Kershaw, for him, it was just the first couple innings, he was struggling to command that fastball. He was not locating the heater, and that's the key for Kershaw's success. You want to locate that fastball because what that does is that sets up the slider. And when you look at the tunneling action – the pit, the hitter, they think it's the fastball. All of a sudden, that slider, it has the bite. It has the depth. It falls off the table, and that's when he's getting the big swing and miss games. And then you look at the curveball. He can pull that out of his bag when he needs it well. So when he doesn't have that fastball command and he's not working the corners in the bottom of the zone with pristine command, then he's going to get in some trouble because the velocity, even when it's great for him as far as when he has his best velocity, you're talking about 93 miles per hour, right? And today it was down 1.6 miles per hour. So, yeah, I mean, that's where you see him giving him home runs. But even on the home run to Carroll, I mean, that wasn't even a bad pitch. I mean, he had a lot of backspin there on a curveball. But, yeah, I think you look at this Dodgers team and you look at Kershaw in general, I think that he's still trending in the right direction. But I think he's going to be someone who I still think is going to be a game one or two starter. I personally would go him game one starter right now just because – I trust him in that big spot for sure. But you got the top of the third inning, two for Kirsch. Fastball outer half, like I said, just it was not it was not having the fastball command, but still you got one, two, three inning there in the third on nine pitches. 
despite not having his best stuff. Then bottom of the third inning, Muncie, he doubled to left. Seventh straight game with an extra base hit. Great piece of hitting going the other way on a curveball. It's another thing to look at today and moving forward is Muncie going with that curveball in the outer half. That is when he's more of a complete hitter. That's when you see his batting average start to increase when he's hitting both sides of the plate, when he's hitting breaking balls and fastballs. And yeah, it was definitely a nice piece of hitting. And then Peralta, he followed it up with a single to right to make it 5 nothing Dodgers. Great piece of hitting on a changeup. And then Jason Hayward, he grounded to a double play. Following that, James Albin, he singled to right. And then that brought up Chris Taylor. He ends up doubling to left to score Albin to make it 6 nothing Dodgers. Great running there by James Albin. He was on his horse. He scores. So, yeah, that's the bottom of the lineup, going out there and just making something happen, adding runs in. I think that's going to be key, too. Look, I have said for a long time now that Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, they're the best duo in L.A. since Kobe and Shaq. But still, this is Major League Baseball, right? You need guys to contribute at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, just look at the Angels. We talked about them a lot. They can't even sniff a winning record with Mike Trout and Otani. And yes, they have been injured a lot of the time, but still it just goes to show baseball is very different in that you need guys on the margins to step up. And I think that's what's so key for this team is that I'm feeling very confident about the bottom of that lineup. Then you jump to the top of the fifth inning, one, two pitch to Carroll. He hits the home run. For the Diamondbacks, one and only run of the night. Like I said, curveball in the outside corner, just backspin a little bit. He did leave it a little up, but like I said, not a terrible pitch there. Comes back to strike out Ahmed, a dirty curveball. Then Moreno lines to right, then Marte, he singled to right, stole second. And then probably his best pitch of the night there, a 1-2 pitch, a 1-2 slider to get Kennedy swinging to end the top of the fifth. So, yeah, I mean... I think tonight, all in all, I'm feeling really good about Kershaw's performance. The Dodgers going out there. We'll talk a little about Gus Varland, too, who I think he was okay. I think he didn't do anything too bad. I think he went out there, and I think the most important thing is you didn't see the high leverage guys tonight, right? You didn't see them got to go into the well with that. And Gus Varland, he ends up allowing two hits, give two walks, had the one strikeout, 31 pitches. But how about... Tyson Miller, the soft contact. You saw the slider in play. Ends up going two innings, had two strikeouts, allowed that one hit. And then Victor Gonzalez, he came in and he closed it out. So I think from a pitching standpoint, they pieced together a really nice game, not having to go to their high leverage relievers. You want to keep these guys as fresh as possible with that Brave series looming. But the other big takeaway tonight is Mookie Betts. He continues to play like an MVP. I think he's building separation. He homered to left center there in the sixth inning. Mookie living his bet slide. That made it eight to one Dodgers. And later in the inning, Will Smith, he hit a bomb to make it nine to one Dodgers. But Mookie bets his 36th home run, his 36th home run of the season. That is a new career high. And he's coming off a year where he had 35 last year. Do you think that Mookie bets is going to win MVP? Not that, not do you think he is the MVP because the numbers will tell you he is. You know, I bring my facts to the fight. If you look at war, if you look at weight runs, created plus, look at OPS, Mookie Betts has been the better player. Last time I checked, the MVP doesn't go to the guy who has the most stolen bases. Okay. I would rather have 35 home runs than the amount of stolen bases that Ronald Acuna Jr. has. Right. So for me, I think there's no question Mookie's the MVP, but uh, Mookie Betts for the MLB Show 24 cover athlete. I love that take from Carlos Perez over on YouTube. Jeremy Hughes, we're just going to get better. Get a better deal, and that's for all teams. That's from Jeremy Hughes. No Ortega. JT only had two singles in the 2022 NLDS. Everybody in the bottom of our lineup can do better. Exactly. And look, I mean, if you look at that series, JT, he was overpowered by velocity. The last two postseasons, 2021 and 2022, JT went like 7 for 46, top of my head combined. So, yeah, I mean, he had fallen off, and you plug in a J.D. Martinez in that spot. A guy has a 987 OPS having a really solid year. I like my chances, but uh, all of the blank talking about Gonson was a turnoff. That's from David P. I agree. Uh, Lance Lynn is the MVP. <laughs> That's a fire take from Victor Fuentes. Diane says, I think that was a very cool thing for the Catman to do, go out there injured because the team needed him. Yeah, Diane, I mean, look, as long as his rehab wasn't 
pushback and the surgery wasn't pushed back and that kind of stuff. I mean, look, they identified a, a little UCL tear earlier and they said that he could pitch through it. And as long as he had the okay from the medical professionals, then it's fine. But at some point it just felt like he was someone that he was pitching with the check engine light on. Okay. And you just cannot have that. So yeah, I mean, at some point for him to be successful and for him to be a legitimate number three, four, five starter, he has to be at full strength. He needs to be hitting 94, 95, 96 on that fastball. And also a lot of people look at the velocity that, and yes, the velocity is definitely key, but it's the injury impacting the command. When you don't have the command, you're going to be in trouble. If you want to be the man, you have to have the command. So we get uh, Red Hot Red Hot Dodgers moonwalk across the Red Hot Sun right in the playoffs. That's from Jeremy Hughes. I like that one. We got, um, here's my conspiracy theory. Angels knew they were losing Otani, so they ran him into the ground so they could give away damaged goods. That's from Bullet TC. It's a fire take because it is a fire take because it's uh, really interesting. But I don't know. I think that they thought, I think, look, this is the thing about Otani. Otani loves to play, okay? And... It's tough to keep guys like Otani and Freddie Freeman, guys that like to play out there on the mound. But, yeah, I just think that for him, I think that my theory is that they made those moves just because they knew that he was going to walk, but they want to be able to tell their fan base. They want to be able to tell their friends and family that they did everything they possibly could to keep Shohei Otani on the Angels. And when he walks and he does sign with the Angels, which I definitely think he's going to do, I'm going to manifest that until either happens or doesn't happen. we got to keep those positive thoughts up. Sarah Otani prayers, right? And I think that he didn't want to go down as the guy that A, traded Shohei Otani, and B, was seen as someone who didn't do enough to surround him with the supporting cast to be able to have success. I mean, you guys know that the Red Sox owner, Harry Frazee, he sold Babe Ruth just to make a play, a Broadway musical called No, No, Nanette, right? And that is his legacy, right? No, No, Nanette for Harry Frazee. And I think that Artie Moreno doesn't want to be seen as that guy, someone that his whole life's work is going to be summed up with what he did or didn't do with Shohei Otani. I think the real ones like you guys, you guys know ball. You guys are a very astute fan base, right? You guys realize that anything that... In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Artie Moreno could have done this year. It was going to be inept right it wasn't going to be enough it was too little too late like i said it's like investing in the titanic after it hit the iceberg and you look at the farm system they're bereft of talent if you look at the starting pitching in the bullpen there's not enough depth there and you the dodgers have proven to league to teams out there they've proven that you can be the mets and be a big market team that has unlimited funds they still can't build a winner padres smaller market team that spend big on players that gave up half their farm system for Juan Soto, right? And they went out there and got Xander Bogarts. They were still a buzz. It is very, very hard. I mean, look at any sport. Major League Baseball is one of the most difficult sports, if not the most difficult professional sport to maintain sustained winning. I think the NFL with the parity in the schedule and that the salary cap of course is a myth but look i mean i think baseball is just there's so many moving parts i mean so many different facets of the game that the dodgers they make it look easy it's the furthest thing from easy the dodgers make miracles happen every single year just to be put in contention but i think that we're learning that this season but hog is complaining he's losing his hair over the madres continuing losing games that's from carl summer what up carl how you doing my man uh wake 
Wait, Jake McGee MVP. We got 400 in the house. Smash that like button for your boy DMAC. Appreciate that. Yeah, definitely hit that like button, guys, if you want to see Otani and Dodger Blue. If you want it to win a World Series. Now, if you love the Dodgers, how about that? Ray Kershaw. We got uh, playoff Kershaw is dead. That's from baseball. A five. We got uh, bottom part of the lineup. Super important for the playoffs. Rarer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that to me is one of the big developments this season. I think that cannot be emphasized enough it cannot be overstated the fact that you got guys down the order that can come through we're going to see if it's going to be the case i've said it all season long that i think david peralta is going to have a series changing hit i think jason hayward is going to hit a bomb at some point i think you see the course of a season i mean look at eddie rosario right i mean sometimes it's just different, right? In Major League Baseball, guys have to step up. And I also think, too, you're going to have your superstars step up. Mookie Betts, 36 home runs. Yeah, I mean, look at him running away with the MVP race, hopefully. So, yeah, I think this team is in a great spot. I think the biggest question for me is the pitching and how confident you can be. Because, look, as great as this team has been, as much as they've exceeded expectations, they didn't go out there and get an ace. And I said back in... June that they'd go after Max Scherzer. Guess what? They did go after Max Scherzer. The Dodgers and Andrew Friedman wanted Max Scherzer back in Dodger blue. No trade clause. He makes his way to the Texas Rangers. Same with Justin Verlander. Dodgers were interested. He didn't want to go to the Dodgers. He wanted to go to the Astros. Eduardo Rodriguez. That didn't happen either. So there was not a lot of names available. I don't think Dylan Cease was legitimately available for any type of realistic price. And look, sometimes it comes down to who's available. Corbin Burns. If the Brewers were terrible and they were going to trade him. Maybe he becomes available. So I think that we're going to see, do they have that ace level pitcher that can carry him throughout the postseason? Because I don't think you can say with a hundred percent confidence that Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias right now are guys that you can guarantee are going to put together a Strasburg like level performance in the postseason. Now, does this team need that? I don't think they do because of how good their offense is, but you're not going to see them scoring nine runs a game in the postseason because they'll be facing better pitching. So we'll see if Kirsch and Urias can hit a groove because, look, early in last season, for some reason, no one talks about this. I don't know why, but Kirsch and Julio, they weren't great in games one and two. So, I mean, even game two with Kirsch, give the home run to Machado. I mean, three runs in five innings, and I think they need to really step up and give them six innings and pitch very well throughout this postseason run and get Lance Lynn and get guys like Bobby Miller. So I think really it's going to come down to the pitching at the end of the day, and it seems like that's always the case. But Mookie MVP, Mookie better from Orlando. Mookie is 100% the MVP. We got Mookie is deaf the MVP from Diane Schroeder. Mookie's going to hit at least 40 home runs. That's from Jason Diamond. Yep, I know. It's unbelievable. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful full thing and there's a couple things that I think about before I rest my head on my Dodger blue pillow at night and something that really puts me in a good mood is knowing that at some point around Dodger Stadium we are going to have a Mookie Bet statue that no one will ever wear number 50 in Dodger blue that he is going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger he is going to go down as possibly the best Dodgers position player ever I mean you look at Pee Wee Reese his war close to 70 some of the guys on that list I think Mookie Betts has a chance to go down as the best Dodgers position player of all time. If you look at the years he's put in, since he's been in Dodger Blue, you've had him at age 27 throughout his peak prime. He's made the all-star team every year. He's going to win MVP this year. He delivered a World Series. So to me, I think there's no question about it that Marcus Lynn Betts is someone that is going to be etched in Dodger lore forever. And I think that we are going to view him in the same way we view a lot of the legends. And the only difference is he started his career with Boston. But, hey, it's the reverse Piazza, right? We gave away a Hall of Famer. We get a Hall of Famer. So this almost makes up for that. But, yeah, 36 bombs on pace at over 40. Only question now is, does he top 2018? Because OPS-wise, he still had a higher OPS and a higher slug in 2018, even though he didn't hit as many home runs. But that year, he cranked 47 doubles. That season, this year, 36 doubles. I still think that OPS is going to climb, and it's going to be special, man. The first guy to win the MVP in both leagues since Frank Robinson. Now, like I said, it's not over yet. I said on the Blue Heaven podcast, it's like when – 
the Braves have that competition with Mr. F- the Freeze and the guy races him and the fan is winning and he gets a head start. That was Acuna Jr. Mookie has passed him. He's the Freeze. He is now firmly in first ba- in first place to win the National League MVP. And yeah, I mean, 36 home runs for Mookie Betts. He said he had a nine pounds of muscle in the offseason. He's in his swole slugger era. That's what I'm calling it. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this offense, too. I mean, tonight, seven of the Dodgers, nine hitters reach base more than once. Okay? I mean, only Freddie Freeman, man. Freddie Freeman, we got a DFA him or something I was playing, but Freddie Freeman didn't have his best night. But, yeah, Betts, he was great. Mookie, just phenomenal, phenomenal night. And this Dodger team, they continue to roll. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Dodgers Nation post-game show, guys. We will be back, and we're going to be doing more shows, so be on the lookout. Have those notifications ready. We are going all in. We are in postseason mode already. So, yeah, a couple more comments here, and then we will let you guys enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night. But the Dodgers get the dub. Clayton Kershaw, like you said, the top of the show, he ties Don Drysdale for second most wins in Dodgers history. So congratulations to Kirsch. Can you guys guess who has the most wins in Dodger history? It's not going to happen this year, but Kirsch could possibly pass him. So because anyone know, let's go down below in the comment section. Who has the most wins in Dodgers history? Let's go to the phones. Let's go to the comments. Here we go. Where, where, where are my comments here? I got to. There we go. Oh, man. Uh, there we go. Don's son. We got Jason. Dye. Okay. Sorry. He has 233 for Don's son. You got 209 for Kirsch. 209 for Drysdale. 190 for Dazzy Vance. 177 for Brickyard Kennedy. 165 for Koufax. 158 for Burley Grimes. 147 for Claude Osteen. 141 for Fernando Valenzuela. And 136 for Johnny Padres. We got Kershaw. Won't get to 324. DMAC, you're the man, brother. Thank you, James. I appreciate you. We got Muncie is still killing. Yeah, great night for Maxwell Muncie. Like I said, the the hitting, going, using all fields. It was a great night for Max Muncie. who continues seventh straight game with an extra base hit. Max Muncie goes one for three tonight, and he also had one of the key plays, running that out and getting that call overturned that led to a big first inning for the Dodgers where they were able to put up a three spot and take control of this game early on. But thanks, guys, as always. Rock with us on the Dodgers Day post game show you guys are the best fans in the game be sure to hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell hit that like button i'll read a couple more comments on the way out we got craig crumble jay bullet chuck craig crumble was your was your okay i'm yeah, that's a bro. craig, craig crumble was your guest bro. for most wins in dodgers history that's I love Bruh. that though. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got nine five one Riverside here. What up, my man? Uh, we got to answer Alberta most win. Yeah, his defense was solid. Jay Bull. Yeah, strong throws for sure. I think defensively, you saw James Alvin made the diving catch there on the Guriel line out the over the shoulder catch from Rojas. Defense has continued to impress. Mister Seabath, thank you, my man. But thanks again, guys. Kirsch's hands down the greatest Dodgers pitch. That's from Noel Dmac. You ever heard of Valhalla Sports? I have, yeah. Final comment, Fire Roberts. Okay, we'll end on that one, Jason Diamond. We'll be for this champion show without a hashtag, Fire Ramos. We got Ray Brios. We got Let's Just Win the NLDS and take it from there. Okay, I like that. Let's temper expectations just a bit. Thanks, Diane. Appreciate you. But thanks again, guys. Join us here on the Dodgers Nation postgame show. L.A. gets the win. They win by a final score of 9-1. to one. They continue to build separation in the National League West. 82-49. and 49. They are now 30, 13 games up on the Arizona. 13 and a half games up on the San Francisco Giants in the division. 14 games up on the Arizona Diamondbacks. LA's won 8 of their last 10. A plus 163 run differential. That is second to the Braves in the National League. But that is going to do it for today's episode. And enjoy the rest of your night. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out.